Good evening. The reading today is from Matthew 24, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. This is God's word. Amen. All right, you guys can grab a seat. That's a little bit shorter than some of our judges' passages we've been in, I would say. Um, well, good evening, Providence. I'm excited for tonight. As Jared said, this has just been a fun week. Um, before I pray and we get into that text, I just want to be fully transparent with all of you, all right? I want to lay all of my cards on the table. No surprises where we're going tonight. Um, this week, I've been kind of praying about this, prepping for this, and in prayer, um, I've pleaded for this, and I, I truly believe God is going to do this, that um, I think tonight there are going to be people in this room who maybe you've never thought about global missions before this week, and I think there's going to be some of you that in five years are serving overseas. I truly believe that tonight there's going to be some of you that the Lord convicts in such a way that you will reorder your finances to give larger portions of your wealth to global missions. I think God might stir in some of your hearts tonight to reprioritize some of your schedule and, and your life structure so that you can engage with international students and immigrants and refugees from unreached places that are in our very own city I believe that this is what God has, and I believe that he's actually going to do that in our church. Now, here's the thing. What that's going to take from you, and my, my challenge to you for tonight is this. Most of us, when we hear stuff like this, are naturally going to assume that that's not my calling. Like, if we can just be honest, that's going to be our default mode. We'll hear about missions. We'll think that that's great. We'll hear stories of other, other people and say, yes, I believe in that. And most of us will say, but that's not for me. And what I want to challenge us with is not to make assumptions on our preferences, but to actually lay our lives before the Lord tonight. And I know that that's a dangerous ask, because when we actually lay our lives bare before the Lord, he may ask us to do some crazy things. Um, but that is the best place for us to be, in God's will for our lives. And so here's my, my ask. We're going to pray at the end of this, um, and I'm going to ask you to actually wrestle with what the Lord is calling you into in global engagement. All right, so you've got those cards. You're going to be thinking about that as we work through this. But my challenge is don't assume what God might say, but actually ask him with an open heart and mind and just see if he speaks. And I think if we do that, he just might speak to us tonight. So um, in order for us to do that, as Jared just said, we need the uh, prayer just for the spirit to move in us. And so let me pray, and then we'll jump in. Uh, Jesus, you are the king. Uh, we are citizens in your kingdom. We are servants of you, Jesus. And so would you speak to us tonight? I pray for the things that uh, maybe our hands are clinging on to, whether that's our wealth, the American dream, our comfortabilities, our family, our kids, our, our uh, plans for our life, whatever we're clinging to, would you pry our fingers off of those things tonight? God, would you use us in big ways? As Jared said, we want more. We want you to do more through us, but we know that that's going to take us having open hands. So God, as we spend some time in your word, would you give us sharp minds that we could understand the realities of global missions and the need for getting the gospel out? Would you give us soft hearts not to be calloused towards these things, but that you would actually create in us such a worship of you and a love for others that we could do nothing else but spend our lives getting your gospel to new places? 
God, we need you to do this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, over, over the last year or so, my wife and I have been working on a house edition, okay? So in the midst of everything else going on in 2020, we thought it'd be a good idea to do a major house project. Uh, so we started it, you know, we were planning it for a while, and February or March, we actually started on the project. Um, so it's been going for about nine months. Now, the, the good thing right away, if you've ever done a house edition or seen one done, is that a majority of the edition was all done outside of our current house. So we had like an exterior wall, and we were building this room on the outside. So the good thing of that is that our house wasn't torn up for most of the project. The bad thing of that is that because our house kind of functioned as normal, um, for me, if I didn't see the, the unfinished nature of the project, I often had no motivation to actually work on it. So I would travel, or I'd be doing other things, and I wouldn't actually see this project. And so it was kind of the like out of sight, out of mind. You know what I'm talking about? That if you're not looking at it, it's hard to kind of keep it in mind. Uh, but a month or two ago, we actually tore down the exterior wall, the current exterior wall. We tore that down. So now this unfinished room was a part of the house. Now, we have this vision for, you know, it's right off of our kitchen. It's going to be this dining room area. It's going to be amazing. So I have this vision of what it should be, the goal of the project. But now I'm staring at every single day the unfinished nature of the project. I'm seeing all the things that have to be done. I'm seeing how kind of far we are from that goal. And by seeing the unfinished projects continually, it actually has stirred in me a motivation to complete the project. You know, once it's actually in our sights and we see not only the end, but we see the unfinished nature, it can stir up in us a desire to actually work for it. You know, Providence, similarly, this week we've been talking about how God ha has a mission. He's got this project that he is on. Uh, that God is actually saving and redeeming a people through his son Jesus. And as we've said, this, this people is not just from one geographical location. It's not from one time period but Jesus is saving a people from all the tribes, all the nations, all the places on earth. This is his mission. And we know the end because in the book of Revelation, the last book in our Bible, it actually says that when everything ends, there's going to be a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping at the throne of Jesus. So we know that's the beautiful end that we're going toward. But what we see now is that that reality is not a reality currently. Uh, that every tribe, tongue, and nation will be worshiping Jesus, but the reality is the mission to help save a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation is unfinished. Jesus promised that that would be the end, and as we said, he has called his church to engage in this mission. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to simply kind of fix our eyes on the unfinished nature of the mission. Because if this unfinished nature is consistently out of our minds, we will never be a church that consistently engages with the mission. Out of mind, out of sight, that's what, that's what this can easily become. So not only do we want to look at the end, but tonight I just want to stare at the unfinished reality of the mission of God. And in that, I want to call us to our part in engaging to complete the mission. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 24. And all of what I'm saying about the mission and the end, all of that, we're going to get directly from one verse. Matthew 24, verse 14. And what we're going to do tonight is pretty simple. Uh, we're going to look at this one verse, and we're going to look at kind of two parts of the mission. 
All right, and then at the end, we'll wrap that up and we're just gonna ask two practical questions. What have we been doing so far as a church to engage? And we're just gonna ask what's next for us. All right, so Matthew 24, let's look at two parts of this mission from this text. Verse 14 says this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Uh, so the context of this is Jesus' disciples have asked him, um, what's going to be the sign or how are we going to know when the end has come, when you are going to return? And he sums up this section by saying this, that, that last phrase there. We know that the end will come when the mission, the first part of the verse, is completed. So that's what he's calling them to. He's saying once this mission is completed, that's when the end will come. So um, what are we to do? What is this mission? Let's take this in two parts. First, we're going to ask what we say. And second, we're going to ask who we say it to. All right, so the first part. Look at the first phrase. It says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed. So as the mission, what do we Say. Now I get that word say from the word there, proclaimed. Uh, that word proclaim, it, it's translated differently through the Bible. It could be to, to have like a proclamation of something, to declare something, to herald something, or it's even translated sometimes as to preach. So when we think of proclaim, think that it's news that somebody is proclaiming or declaring. Um, it it kind of had this connotation of, uh, before we had all the technology of social media and phones and all of that, um, when a king wanted to get out a message, they would um, have a, a herald or a person who would go into like the town square and they would herald a message or they would proclaim the news of what the king has done or said. So it's this idea of there's news commissioned by somebody that we are to proclaim. Or maybe a more modern uh, example would be this week. I was watching ESPN for a little bit, and uh, there was a, kind of a breaking news alert, and one of the reporters kind of popped up on the screen, uh, and he was proclaiming or declaring news uh, that Clay Thompson, if you're an NBA fan for the Warriors, um, he just tore his Achilles tendon, and he's going to be out for the year. So in that moment, that reporter is speaking on behalf of the player or the team, and he is just declaring the news of what has just happened. He wasn't, it wasn't up for debate. He wasn't brainstorming on anything. He wasn't hypothesizing on what things mean. He was simply proclaiming the news of what just happened. This is what we are called to do. As a church, he says our mission is to proclaim the gospel, we are not to hypothesize about things. We're not to kind of just brainstorm on, on what God might be doing. The simple call for the church is to proclaim, give the news of the gospel. What is it specifically that we are to proclaim? Well, the verse says we're to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. Throughout the gospels, you'll see that phrase. It's this idea that, that God has created a world and has created every person in the world to be in a relationship with him. He was creating this like worldwide kingdom of joy and love and peace. But it's also to proclaim that every person has rebelled from God. That the problem in the world is not just things happening to us, but it's that everyone has walked away from God. And the reality is, as we think of global missions, think of this, that every person in their rebellion is destined for a life 
separated from the joy of God in hell. That's the reality. That's the news that we are proclaiming. However, we also get to proclaim the good news that God has made a way for people to be saved, that he is reinstating his kingdom. He's making a new kingdom through his son, Jesus, that when Jesus took the cross, he was forgiving the sins of his people, and when he rose three days later, the Bible says he was the firstborn of this new kingdom. And what he's doing now is in installing and inaugurating this kingdom of new people with life and joy and salvation in him. And so for Christians, we don't just kind of debate doctrine with people. We don't kind of hypothesize on what we think might be happening. We're just proclaimer of good news. We get to tell the world not what we think has happened, but what has actually happened. You think of yourself as like a newscaster who's just reporting the best news ever. That we get to say that even though we have walked away from God, he has made a way through Jesus for salvation and life with him. The gospel of the kingdom is not to be reinterpreted or tweaked or added to. It is to be proclaimed. And that is our mission as a church. It's the global mission. See, we, there is no hope for any person outside of their response to that message. And that's not just for us in America. That's not just for certain time periods. There is no hope of salvation for anyone unless they hear and respond in faith to that message. So for us, as a people, if we believe, and we want people to be saved, that message has to be proclaimed. That's the first part of our mission. We have to say the gospel message. So if that's what we say, uh, the verse goes on to not just end there, like just proclaim the gospel, but it actually gives us a specific lens, a scope on where to proclaim this, where to say this message. Look at the verse again. So it's not only that we, the gospel must be proclaimed, but it must be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The mission of the church is to proclaim the gospel to all the world. Matthew's saying here, the end is going to come when all the nations, the whole world, has heard the message of the gospel. Now, that word, nations, um, if you've read the Bible much before, that may sound familiar. It's a fairly common word in, in both the Old Testament and New Testament. And that word is the Greek word ethnos. All right, so maybe you can tell that's where we get our word ethnicity. So when we see nation, don't just immediately assume like geopolitical countries. All right, that's probably not what he's talking about. Um, instead, we're looking more at like people groups, groups of people defined by culture, and language. So you could have one country, but many different ethnicities or people groups within that place. And so what Matthew is saying, or Jesus is preaching, is that to get the gospel out, our scope, where we say it, is to all the different ethnicities or nations in the world. And you've probably heard us talk about this before. That word nation appears in the Great Commission. Right, when Jesus, later on in Matthew, is telling his disciples, his followers, what to do, what their mission is, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. It's not only that we proclaim this, this isn't the mission just when the world will end, but this is our ongoing mission as a church. We say that all the time. We go and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnicities, of all people groups. 
the scope of the mission of God is not just individualistic or in specific places. The scope of the mission is to proclaim the gospel and make disciples of every people group on earth. Uh, John Piper says it like this. Um, He says, that is the task of missions. Catch this. Not just reaching more and more people, but more and more peoples or people groups. He's saying the task isn't vague. It's actually specific. We are to make disciples, not just of a few people randomly, but of all the nations getting to the end of the earth. This is the global mission of God, and this is our mission as a church. Now, at this point, I think there's one common question that maybe you're wrestling with if you've thought about this before, or or one common question on this uh, would be something along the lines of this. If the gospel needs to be proclaimed to all peoples, so all the different nations of the world, then why don't we as a church here in the Midwest of America, why why don't we focus on our people group And the other people groups, they'll focus on their people groups. And if we all kind of link arms, then we can reach all the peoples, right? I mean, that is probably ideal. And on the surface, that seems right. Everyone just take care of their own. Here's the problem with that. There are estimated around 17,000 people groups on the world world today. Okay, that's our seven point whatever billion people are kind of made into these 17,000 people groups. Of the 17,000 people groups, 7,000 of them, roughly, are what we would call unreached, right? Unreached people group. What that means is that in those people groups, there are less than 2% of their population are Christians. Okay, so think about that. What that means is that if you have 0.5% of the population of a community or a people group being Christians— then the vast majority of those people will actually be born, live, and die and never interact with them, never hear the gospel of Jesus, never hear that they could be saved, never run into a church building on the corner, never actually hear the gospel of Jesus. To put it another way, that 7,000 or so people groups constitutes about 3.2 billion people which is about 40-some percent. So think about this. We have almost half of our world, half the population, isn't just non-Christians, but don't actually even have access to the gospel. So it's not just that they're non-Christians and haven't responded to the gospel. It's that most of them won't actually even ever hear the gospel. There's not enough disciples and churches in their area to actually evangelize and proclaim the gospel. And it's that reality that tells us that this mission is unfinished. We can know that it's unfinished because most uh, or half the people in the world just don't have access to it. That 7,000 nations or people groups have really little or no access or gospel engagement at all. And we know from Revelation that at the end, there will be a people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. So we know the end And we know the current reality, and that tells us that this mission for the church to go to all the world to bring the gospel to every nation is unfinished. And that church should not only break our hearts, but stir us to action. 3.2 billion people around the world who have almost no access to hearing that God loves them, who've never heard of the name of Jesus. 
A church that is satisfied with just our doing our own thing with no eye to billions of people who are destined for hell apart from God is a church that has abandoned the heart of God. This is God's heart to reach the nations, and this has to be our heart. This is why unapologetically, as a church for the last few years, when we talk global missions, we have said we want to do two things. We want to go to unreached places, and we want to plant churches. Right? We want to go to unreached places because there are billions of people who still need access to the gospel. And if we're going to effectively make disciples over the long haul, that is going to come from local churches that are making disciples, that are sending people out, that are evangelizing and planting more churches. And so here at Providence, when we say global missions, we will prioritize unreached places and planting healthy churches. So that leads us to our two questions. Okay, where, where, where have we been so far? What have we been doing so far? And then we're going to ask for all of us, what is next? So to answer the first question, um, we've said we want to help in unreached places. And one of the primary places that's like around 1% Christian right now is the country of Thailand. Uh, and so if you've been around for a while, you've probably heard us. We've partnered with a few different missionaries there. We've sent people there. Um, but one of the people that we've partnered with overseas, um, or one of the families, is the, the Tao family. And they are over there. They work with uh, our denomination, the CMA. Um, and they are engaging in a, in a university students there. They've planted a church there. They host a lot of teams and interns to help people get experience in global missions. Um, they work in the red light district in Bangkok. Um, so they've been doing a ton of stuff. And so we actually got to uh, go down and shoot a video from Tu Lee, uh, who's one of the, the leaders down there. And so we're going to play a video here. It's going to be about 10 minutes or so. So when we think, what have we done so far as a church? He's going to give just kind of a scope of how we've partnered with them um, and what they've been doing there. So fix your eyes on the screen and we'll watch this video from Thule. Hi Providence Church, I'm Thule Tao. I'm the Envision site coordinator in Bangkok, Thailand. And it's been a blessing to know many of you guys already. Uh, some of you guys have come through as teams and with internships and just vision trips. And so it's been a joy just getting to know Pastor Andrew and the rest of the staff and Jordan. Um, and even having JC and Nate and uh, Kate and so many others come through our site. Um, it's been a joy of mine to see them grow in their, their love for the gospel and sharing the gospel. Uh, and also, we're a big part of, uh, we want to develop them as followers of Jesus. And so to see their formation all throughout when they first land to when they leave. And I love seeing and hearing about JC and what she's doing right now and Kate's heart for the nations and even Nate from uh, coming in and then having this heart to reach people. And we're celebrating one of those biggest wins right now is his investment in this guy named, named Tim and seeing him grow. And now he's a church leader and he's passionate about the Bible and thinking about long-term missions. And that's all thanks to people like you guys, thanks to people like Nate and Jordan and um, JC and all of you guys. And especially, I'm, I'm just thinking about Providence and the connection there. Uh, I remember uh, when Jordan and their team came and I sent them out on this survey just to go and connect with people, asking them random questions, but just creating that space, hopefully, that they're going to be able to share the gospel or build community or even involve them in what God's doing around the world in mission and they met this guy named Team. And all of a sudden, he just wanted to hang out with them and finish the whole survey with them. 
And afterwards, we've continued to develop relationships with him. He's been able to come to the States a couple of times, come back. But I still remember that one moment uh, he came over. And this was maybe a couple of years already after that interaction. Um, and he came and he's like, hey, I'm going to go to America. And I was able to a- actually pray for him. And every time you guys come back, these guys seem to come back out. And so it gives us another chance to reconnect and develop that relationship. And so he actually just messaged me the other day, uh, see how I'm doing. So that's a huge thanks to the work that Providence has done by sending people, sending teams, and the hard work that you guys put in just for about a week uh, to two months to a year. And so before I start sharing stories, I'm just very thankful for you guys and your ministry and your partnership already in very informal ways so thank you providence church um yeah it's been a strange season here uh with covid but i've just been really excited to see what god's been doing on our site uh we have this girl named Ui, and uh she's currently running our teams but on top of that since we don't have any teams she's just been just this huge connector to the community and she's been developing relationships with our kids through our Deeper Life Kids. And that's led to connections with their parents. And with that, it just really brought our community even closer. Because with our site, we have a coffee shop. And so right in front of our coffee shop is the university. So we're connecting with university students all the time through board games to English classes. And we had a struggle with how do we connect with the people behind our coffee shop. And this is like a old school, you know, um, there's a Chinese temple right there, uh, these old school communities, and with kids running around all the time. And so over the season of COVID, our, our staff, Uwe, has been able to walk and, and talk with parents and hear their stories, how business is going, and being able to connect them to the church. And so we're excited about that. We're excited for what God has in store for that. Um, on top of that, uh, we're super excited for this next season. And so honestly, a big fear uh, and a concern of ours of just coming back was, man, what is COVID going to bring financially to our site? We're, we're a site that raises uh, support uh, for ministry. And we're really just concerned like, are people going to give? And it's going to be a season of struggle. And praise God, God provided this Alliance Church out in California that said, hey, we don't want to be focused on just focusing on bringing people back into the church. How do we inspire a church to go out? And so this pastor called me and said, hey, we want to give you this huge amount of money to do missions. Would you pray with us for the summer to reach this goal? And so they're able to, to give that amount of money for specific reasons of reaching the prostitutes and the deaf uh, prostitutes that we've come into connection with. And so even in that story, uh, it was through a short-term team. We went out doing prayer walk. We met this deaf girl in front of a hotel. Uh, I thought she was, was Hmong, and so we got that connection. But I found out she wasn't Hmong at all. And... Uh, we started connecting, but I felt like, man, it wasn't going anywhere. And the more I talked to her, it wasn't like the university kids. With the university kids, you feel like you can have a conversation, and hopefully it goes to talking about Jesus and about life like that. But with, with her, I didn't know any sign language. 
She could barely read or write English or Thai, and so the communication was tough. And so we just started sending stickers to each other. Uh, but one day we were out at McDonald's, uh, and it was probably like late at night while they're working on the streets. Uh, we had our team there, and they were there, and it, and my heart wasn't in it anymore. It just felt like I was like I'm tired, discouraged. The team was jet lagged. They were tired. They wanted to go to sleep. Um, the Thai deaf girls were just playing on their phones, and I was just like, "Hey, all right, guys, we'll just call it a night." So we're we're looking towards leaving, and right before I'm about to leave, one of the deaf girls says, "Oh, I gotta pee," you know, in our universal language, and I was like, "Okay, you know, I'll stay here and wait for you." And so she goes to the restroom. She comes back, and the team already took off walking towards the van, and so we're walking, and in Bangkok, in this epic like urban city there's fortune tellers all throughout the streets and so I see this fortune teller and I'm like I look at her and say is it thumbs up or thumbs down and so she looks at me she's like thumbs down and then she asks me she's like thumbs up or thumbs down and I said thumbs down and then she goes on to say I go to hell you go to heaven and in that moment I felt God say Hey, so I looked at her and I said, hey, if you pray, the cross from heaven will come into your heart. Jesus will come into your heart. And we both go to heaven. And as I said that, her face lit up. And I don't know what happened that moment. I don't know if she's a Christian or not. But I do know from time to time, I'll see her wearing a cross necklace. But even as I was stepping away, I was discouraged before and actually complaining to God about how to reach these people. God spoke to my heart saying, hey, stop complaining. I'm working. I'm, I know what I'm doing. I know how to speak to them. And so that has encouraged us even more to continue to love them, to just be faithful to that relationship God has given us. And so uh, we're excited to go back because this church again they're saying, we want to be a big part of you reaching these people and also exploring how do we mobilize American deaf uh, Christians to reach Thai deaf people. And that was the same heart when we started this university ministry was how do we get these university American Christians to come here to reach Thai university students? And because of interns and teams and all the hours and financial investment on our site, we have a church plant. Ministry is growing and is growing deeper. People are hearing the gospel. People are being transformed. Um, and, you know, even with the, the heart of wanting to, to raise up new Thai missionaries, uh, we didn't know how to do that, but that was in our heart. And so as teams like Jordan, those guys came, they inspired the Thai people. All of a sudden, Thai people were coming to us. Can we do something like this? Can we go on a trip like this? And so I talked with our site in Vision Taiwan, and so we, we gathered some people, some leaders, and we said, hey, we're going to do like this really low-key, sleeping on couches kind of mission trip just, just so that these guys can make it happen. And I know a lot of City Light and even Providence, you guys were able to help financially to make that happen. And so it was such a, a blessing to my heart to go there. And you're kind of nervous. You're like, did they learn anything? Are they able to... Use what we've been pouring into them. 
but they did. And it was so encouraging to see them want to build relationships, want to share the gospel and to go beyond what we thought that they were capable of doing. So I thank God for the partnership, for even just these connections already. Um, and I, I would just want to encourage you guys and leave you guys kind of with this kind of last piece. Uh, I, I did my first mission trip when I was 18. I'm from a small little town in Wisconsin. And honestly, I had no heart to share the gospel. I really just wanted to leave the town. So I signed up for this mission trip to go to Chiang Mai, Thailand, northern Thailand. We worked with this kid's home and uh, just really fell in love with them. But while I was sitting on the plane on my way home, um, reflecting on what God was showing me and these things, I felt God whisper to me, who will love them if you don't? And I thought that was just a, a question that would just disappear and the excitement would disappear, but it never did. And that's actually one of the reasons why I'm a missionary today. Who will love them if you don't? And if God's putting this call on your heart, please respond. Who will share the gospel with them if you don't? Who will send out missionaries? Who will disciple people if your church does not? So that's my invitation for you guys as what you're already doing. Let's do more of that. Let's continue to do more of that. Because if we're going to take all of Jesus to all the world, it's going to take all of us. Let's continue to partnership together. God bless you, Providence Church. Amen. Hey, clap. Amen. Providence, it was fun just getting to talk to them. We've talked to the Nigan Fines, some other missionary partners. Um, I just want to say good work. You know, we're a three-year-old church plant. We're not a massive church with a massive budget or tons of people. Um, but in just talking to them, I know that the things that we have done have just been a blessing and continue to spur on some of their ministry. And I love that in our church, in just the three years we've existed, uh, some of you have actually gone on short-term trips. You've gone on a plane, and you've gone overseas to go serve there. A few of you have given up months or years to actually do internships and work overseas uh, for that amount of time. A lot of you have given financially to help those people who God has called to go overseas, overseas have the ability to do it. Some of you have given money so that we could actually plant a church in Bangkok uh, to help some of our ministry partners do ministry over there. Uh, many of you have prayed uh, countless times and hours for the missionaries and the partnerships and for people to be saved. And I love that we have this global mission team here at Providence, and actually about 10% of our church is serving within that global mission team. But within all of that, all that God has done through us, all that he's kind of taken us to, I love Tuli's call for what is more. Like, what's the next step for us? You know, what is, it, he just gave the call of, we just heard that there's billions of people around the world that don't know Jesus. Who's going to go if we're not willing to say yes to go? Who's going to help make disciples of all the nations if we are not willing to say yes? And so tonight, my last question is, I want to ask you, uh, what's next for you? That as you think about the global mission of God, how it is unfinished, how the gospel still has to go forward to all the nations, to make disciples of all nations, what does that look like for you? What is next for you? Um, you know, this week I was uh, kind of looking up different things and statistics and stuff on global missions. I mean, I'd love to say it was encouraging, but actually I was very discouraged with some of the stuff. Just the lack of workers and missionaries and money that's actually sent to overseas missions. And I faced this moment, middle of the week, of like this little bit of discouragement, thinking, okay, God calls people to missions, right? So he calls people to missions. People have stories of that. 
Yet I'm looking at statistics of 95% of, of Christian workers aren't going overseas. 99% of money that's given to missions aren't going to unreached places. And I'm wondering, God, why is it that you're kind of ignoring the mission? You know what I'm talking about? It's like, if God has this mission, why is he not calling people into it? And I had this kind of reversal moment where I started to think, I wonder if it's not so much God ignoring the mission as maybe the church sometimes ignoring the mission. You know, I started to think it's almost as if God has already called us into the mission. Because it's almost as if God has already told us that the church, the people of God, would be a blessing to all the nations. It's almost as if Matthew 24 has already said the end will come when the church proclaims the gospel to all the nations. It's almost as if the great commission to the church is to make disciples of all the nations. It's almost as if God has already called us to be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's, already, it's almost as if God has already called us to the beautiful end where all peoples will be worshiping him. And I started to think, I don't know if God's not calling, but if there's a part of us that doesn't want to believe that he's already called us. See, I think the question for us tonight is, the question's not if God is calling me into global missions. You read the Bible and that's clear. God is calling us into global missions. The question for us tonight is how is God calling us into global missions? For each of us individually, for us as a church collectively, it's not a question of if we are supposed to care about this. That's clear. The question is, how are we uniquely to care about this? How are you being called to take a step forward in this? And so it's up to us tonight to ask the question, if this is God's mission, if he's called us to this, if it is not yet finished, then what is my role to play? All right, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, like I said in the beginning, to ask the dangerous question and the dangerous posture of being completely open before the Lord and asking him, what are you calling me into? Maybe you and your spouse or your family saying, hey, what are you calling us into? What is the next step? What's the next thing that we need to do as a family to engage in global missions? Um, you've got these cards and so here's how this is going to work. Um, I'm going to pray here in just a moment, and I'm going to pray that the Lord would actually do this in us, that he would convict us, that he would speak to us, that even if it's hard for us to say that openly and honestly and allow whatever answer comes to come, um, we're going to ask that we would just have the open mind and heart to do that. And what I would love for you to do is we're going to actually be singing three songs here at the end. So we'll take communion in a moment, and we'll sing a few songs. And if you need to stand up and sing and praise Jesus, do that. If you need to sit in your seat for a few moments and just wrestle with the Lord, what the Lord is calling you to, do that. But here's what I want to encourage you. Every single one of us, would we take this card and would we fill it out in some way? Even if you don't really have any idea of what these things mean yet, you read the little description, but you feel like, I think that might be where the Lord's calling me, would you just fill that out? And before you leave, I want to challenge you to talk to somebody. Actually share that with somebody. It could be your spouse. Um, we'll have the global mission team by the table in the back. Um, but then would you take these cards and either go to the back or there's two baskets. There will be somebody by the door. And before you leave, would you fill this out and just put it in there? It doesn't commit you to anything for sure, but it's just saying, I think the Lord might be calling me in this area. And so would we actually wrestle with that? So pray about this. Uh, as we're singing, um, would you just wrestle with this? And before you leave, fill this out. Give it to the team in the back or before you leave. Um, I'm going to pray, but let me read one quote quick as I pray. Uh, this is from a guy named George Ladd, and he was writing about that passage that we read in Matthew 24. And he's writing this book, and he says this. It's kind of a longer quote, so just begin to pray, begin to uh, close your eyes, and just read this, and then I'll pray over us. He writes, 
The subject of the chapter is this, when will the kingdom come? Now, I'm not going to set any dates, and I do not know when the end will come, yet I do know this. When the church has finished its task of evangelizing the world, Christ will come again. The word of God says it. Why did he not come in AD 100? Because the church had not evangelized the world. Why did he not return in AD 1000? Because the church had not finished its task of worldwide evangelization. Is he coming soon? Well, he is, if we, God's people, are obedient to the command of the Lord to take the gospel to all the world. How are we to know when the mission is completed? How close are we to accomplishing the task? Which countries need to be evangelized? How close are we to the end? I answer, I do not know. God alone knows the definition of terms. I cannot precisely say who all nations are. Only God knows the exact meaning of evangelize. He alone who has told us that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations will know when that objective has been accomplished. But catch what he says to us in this last paragraph. But I do not need to know. I know only one thing. Christ has not yet returned. Therefore, the task is not yet done. When it is done, Christ will come. Our responsibility is not to insist on defining terms of our task. Our responsibility is to complete it. So long as Christ does not return, our work is unfinished. Let us get busy and complete our mission. Let me pray. Jesus, uh, we thank you for who you are and what you have done. Um, God, that you not only save us, but you call us into your mission. God, we thank you that you are not the God of one people and one time. You, you are not um, serving just a certain group of people, but you are the God of all peoples. That everybody worships at your feet at the end. That you are the one and true God. That Jesus, your blood and your shed body was not just for us, but it was for all the world. God, we pray right now, would you pry open our fingers of anything that we're holding on to, anything in our hearts that make us hardened to want to join you in this mission? Would you soften us? Would you help speak to us? Would you speak clearly? And even these next couple of minutes as people pray and process, would you give them a heart for you and to see your gospel go forth to all the nations? God, we trust you in this, and we pray that you would do this now. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to take communion. I love what Steve had said earlier, that when we sing and we hear God's word and we take communion, these are things not just that we are doing in our context, but around the world, people groups from all different languages and places are doing these very same things. That in heaven, last week we talked about taking this meal in heaven, that we're going to be doing that not just with uh, Americans in 2020, but we're going to be doing that with people spanning time, places, and languages, that this is a sign of what is to come. And so um, this is a reminder of what Jesus has done for us, but I pray in this moment that it's also the, the motivation to do whatever the Lord is calling you to do. So as you pray through um, what you feel like the Lord is calling you to, um, we're gonna have ushers that'll usher us through the communion time as we sing. Um, and so a little bit differently how we're gonna do this tonight, there's actually gonna just be ushers on these end rows here. So they'll usher you out. Um, so whichever side you go out on, come back the other way. Um, but take time to pray, to wrestle through this. And before you leave, would you fill out this card, hand it to somebody or talk to somebody about what the Lord is doing in your heart.